Good morning, church. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the privilege to sing your songs and listen your voice through your word. So give us wisdom to understand the nature of your second coming and to have our hope renewed this morning. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good to be with you, worshiping our God. A predominant characteristic in very poor countries, but not just in poor countries, is that they have corrupt governments, which further increase the pain and suffering of those people. This was the world's reality in the days of the early church. In addition to dealing with the general corruption of the Roman Empire, the church faced the first persecution from almost everywhere. They were living tough days. So the anxiety and intense desire for Christ's return were so great that it became a greeting among them. When greeting each other, many used the Aramaic word Maranatha. So every single time they used to meet each other, they used to say, Maranatha. Maranatha, which means, come back Lord Jesus. The desire for the return of Jesus and his eternal kingdom must be a characteristic of every faithful Christian. Not only in days of suffering, but also in days of plenty and calm. But in saying that, church, what is the nature of the second coming of Christ? We will see that the second coming of our Lord Jesus will be visible, a single event, and glorious. As we saw last Sunday, our pastor mentioned that the book of Revelation was written by the Apostle Paul while he was on a prison island called Patmos. It was a special revelation of Christ when the church faced much persecution and suffering. In this context, the Lord begins His revelation by reaffirming what He had said before He returns to the Father. He comforts His people, reminding them that He is coming and any open. So the second coming of the Lord is mentioned here in the chapter 1. And throughout the book of Revelation, the Lord will repeat about His coming a bunch of times. And in the last chapter, it's a kind of a loving reminder of the Father who, upon seeing His children frightened by something, says, Don't be afraid. Daddy is coming. It is a word of encouragement from the Lord to His church. But what will the second coming of Christ be like? As we know, the second coming will be one of the most extraordinary historical events, like His birth, His passion, and His second coming. But the first truth that we find in Scripture is that His coming will be visible and personal. Take a look again in verse 7 of chapter 1 of Revelation. The Lord says, Behold, John mentions, Behold, He is coming 
with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pursued him the current american evangelicalism has two prominent positions regarding the second coming of christ the historical the historical position is known as the covenant theology or covenantal theology uh we as presbyterians believe in the covenantal theology uh, this means god's relationship with humanity occurred in just two covenants some scholars mention three covenants the first the covenant of redemption in eternity when the lord decided to send his only son to redeem people but in time we find the covenant of works made with adam in the eden and the covenant of grace with the same Adam after his sin. In saying that, the salvation of all believers in both testaments was by grace through faith, through faith in the Messiah, who should come for those who were in the Old Testament. They should put their hope and faith in the Messiah and receive salvation. And for those believers in the New Testament, they should look to the past and believe in the Redeemer's work and then in receive salvation. The second position is dispensationalism, embraced by most of American Baptist churches and other denominations. This states that the history of humanity is divided into several dispensations where God makes a promise conditional on man's obedience. However, as man disobeys, that alliance ceases to exist, creating a new dispensation. This viewpoint was not present for most of the history of the church. Dispensationalism originated in the 19th century within the Brethren movement. Its characteristics first appears in the writings of John Nelson Darby. And the dispensationalism became famous here in the United States uh, through the Bible conference movement where preachers used to travel around the country and sharing this view. And also through the Schofield Bible study and became very, very popular. The dispensational viewpoint speaks of the second coming as two comings of Christ separated by seven years. This is how they view. Thus the first phase of the second coming they call rapture or invisible coming. And the second phase in which Christ will establish his millennial kingdom is called his second coming. From this perspective... Uh, they believe the first phase of the second coming will be seen just by the obedient church. In the invisible coming or in the rapture, the faithful believers will just disappear. While they were living their lives and the disobedient parts of the church will notice that the Lord came just by finding clothes spread around the world. And then at that point, the great tribulation will start. The Antichrist will come. And during this time, the nation of Israel will be saved. 
After seven years, the second phase of the second coming will happen. And then the Lord will come on the clouds with all the believers and all the faithful people. The Bible passage, the dispensationalism uses to uh, establish this or trying to give support is from Matthew 24 verse 36. If you have your Bible, you can just open it quickly and follow the reading. Matthew 24 36. Quote, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be greeting at meal, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Note that nowhere Jesus mentions an invisible rapture. But what the Lord is saying is that the unsaved people will be caught by surprise and separation between saved and non-saved people will happen. But the covenantal view understands the second coming as a unique event that will be seen by everyone, even those who pursued him. Implying that his appearance will be followed by the resurrection of the dead, both the just and unjust. And if you go back to Matthew 24, in the same eschatological sermon regarding the doctrine of last things, the Lord Jesus assures that every eye will see his presence in his second coming. In verse 26 we read, so, if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation, and not before, of those days the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heavens the sign of the Son of Man, and then all tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Accordingly, with what we see in the Bible and throughout history, the predominant position of the church was the second coming of our Lord is visible and personal. He will come back in His glorified, resurrected body on the clouds and all eyes will see his glory in his second coming. And the second truth that we find in this precious Bible passage about the Lord's coming is that the second coming will be a single event. It will be a single event. As we mentioned previously, 
In the dispensational view, the second coming of Christ is divided into two stages. The first stage would not be physical and visible coming, but that would be a secret event perceived only by the believers. And after this collapse, as I've mentioned, Antichrist come, great tribulation starts, salvation happened, uh, salvation is manifested upon the nation of Israel, and just after seven years, the Lord will come. So, it will be not the second, but the third coming of our Lord Jesus. But, when we take a close look to the Greek words the Bible use, uses for the Lord's coming, we find the Greek word parousia, literally presence. Another Greek word, apocalypsis, it means revelation. And the third one is epiphania, it means appearance. In the main passage, the dispensationalism uses to advocate an invisible rapture comes from 1 Thessalonians 4.15, where we find the word, the Greek word parousia. Quote, For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. But if you move back one chapter to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, according to the dispensationalism, the same word parousia now describes this, the coming of our Lord and all he sends. So the same word now in chapter 3, accordingly with the Yerville, is describing the third coming or the second phase where the Lord will return with all his sins. When we read the passage, quote, So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father. At the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. But the word is the same. And we find the same word parousia in the second Thessalonians chapter 2, 8, where the Lord mentions uh, his coming to destroy the Antichrist, where the dispensational view says, no, in this passage, the Lord is talking about the second phase of the second coming. But read the verse with me. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. When we take a close look to all these three verses, the word parousia is used to give different details of the same unique event. The scripture is not talking about different moments of his second coming, but just giving to the believers who were struggling under tough persecution, give them hope, saying that the Lord was about to come, the Lord was uh, promising re his return, and give them all the details how that should happen. 
So we have some practical considerations. There will be visible signs manifested on earth before the second coming of Christ. According with the covenantal view, the church cannot say that the coming of the Lord can happen anytime, at any moment. Because the Lord said some things need to happen before He returns. Like in Matthew 24, if you open your Bible, Matthew 24, verse 14, the Lord says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The Bible uses uh, the expression, the coming of the Lord in different perspectives. Sometimes the Lord says that he will come to judge a nation. In the year 70, after Christ, the Lord came upon Israel as a judgment. But every single time the Bible talks about the second coming of Jesus, we clearly find as a single visible event after the church fulfilled the great commission and shared the gospel with every tribe, with every single people. Accordingly, accordingly with missiologists, we still have about 3,000 unreached people who never heard the gospel. So the church still has lots of work to do before our Lord returns to take us to eternity. And finally, beyond the second coming, be a manifestation of a visible event and a unique event, the second coming of our Lord will be glorious. If we move back to verse 7 and 8, the part B of verse 7 of Revelation 1, John mentions, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. In this respect, the second coming differs from his first coming. For he came as a servant, and the likeness of a sinner, of a man, where we read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. At the end of all things, our Lord Jesus will come, will return in his power and glory, and will bring fear to the wicked. It will be a glorious day for the saved people. We will rejoice in the Lord's presence. But the unsaved, they will shake. And they will fear. This is what we find in the verse 7. John borrows the language from the Messianic prophets of Zechariah chapter 12. Pointing to the visible return of Jesus, he declares that every eye will see, which includes believers and ungodly alike. The, faith, the, the phrase, even those who pursued him, 
refers not to the Jews and Gentiles who were present when Jesus was crucified, but here John is mentioning every single person who rejected the Lord Jesus throughout history. Every single person who persecuted the church, every single person who rejected the Lord Jesus and his gospel will be among those who will fear, tremble before his glory and majesty. The day of the Lord will be a day of great joy, but also as we read in Malachi chapter 4, will be a terrifying day for those who reject the truth of God, the real gospel. This will be a moment of, this won't be a moment of surrender in repentance. On the part of the wicked, but rather a recognition filled with dread and shame. And this had happened. All the tribes of the earth, to all the peoples and nations of the world, will recognize the majesty and lordness of Jesus. Again, in Matthew 24, Jesus speaks of the sign of the Son of Man appearing in heaven, verse 30, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn. When they see Jesus coming with power and glory, they will remember every single time we were sharing the good news and they rejected. So every single time we as the church of Christ, we shared the gospel. The word of the Lord is not shared in vain. They will, uh, every single circumstance will serve as witness to save those who believed and also to bring more condemnation for those who reject. They will tremble in this glorious day. And in Revelation 1.8, we find Christ's description as the I am. The I am was spoken by God. The same expression to describe his majesty. When he called Moses at the burning bush, the Lord said, I am who I am. But in the Gospel of John, Jesus uses the same expression in Greek, ego, eimi, to describe himself and to describe his glory as the second per person of Trinity. And here in Revelations, Revelation 1, we, use, we see this expression used referring to God the Father and also referring to Christ. Chapter 1, verse 8, to God the Father, I am the Alpha and the Omega. But in the verse 17, as we will see in a few weeks, referring to Christ, I am the first and the last. And also in chapter 21 and 22 of Revelation, the same expression is used again to God the Father, verse 6 of chapter 21. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And finally, regarding Christ in chapter 22, verse 13. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. 
Here Jesus is pointing to him as the agent of creation. As the one who executed the rescue work and what we call redemption. Why? He can assure he will return, he will come back. Because he is the creator and also he is the redeemer. He is the sovereign of the nations. And for that church that was struggling and facing troubled times with a wicked empire, the Lord is saying, I rule above them. I am the Lord of all history. I am the Lord of my church. If you are struggling and suffering, suffering, fear not. We are not in the great tribulation yet, but around the world there are thousands and thousands of Christians suffering due his faithfulness to God. There are people being arrested by witnessing the good news of salvation. And the Lord is telling them, Fear not, I will come back. I'll give you rest and I will judge the wicked. So that word should comfort our hearts. As the women disciples of the Lord, when they entered his tomb, but were approached by two glorious angels, angels who said, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. They should not fear anymore. In the same way, we should not be afraid. Don't cry, church. Don't despair. He is resurrected and will come back for you. Will come back for his church in one unique event. We don't know exactly the day of his coming it would do us no good to know for then we would become careless or lose hope but we do not know but we watch and pray remain sober and stay holy and godly however we believe that he will come we believe that he will take care of us until the last day and we believe that in the day that we leave this broken world, we will join his rest. And in the last day, if we are among the people who are already in heaven, we will come back with him to reign forever with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remain faithful to the Great Commission and sharing this excellent news with the people around us. There is no reason to fear. So Jesus promised to take us to him and protect our hearts while we are here. Let's worship the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God, because he will come back. And this is one of the best news we can share this morning. I know some of us heard a different position. Maybe we were raised in a dispensational background. But uh, you will have the opportunity to learn more and more and more. 
And if anything that we shared here is new for you, you have the opportunity to come next Sunday and learn more with our pastor in the Sunday Bible School. And I'm sure the Lord will bring hope, joy, and wisdom for His church while we are living here. Knowing that every single gift we receive regarding our families, our profession, regarding our local church, we should enjoy. But always reminding ourselves, here is not our final destination. Our Lord will come and give us an eternal kingdom in the new Jerusalem. And then we will reign forever. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your words that give us hope, wisdom, and clarity. We know this is a difficult subject, and many of us learn it from a different perspective. But give us wisdom, love, and humility to dig deep in the scripture and learn more and more. And have a clear picture of how you, your second coming will be like. Give us, Lord, also the joy to share this good news with other believers. And have our hearts plenty of joy. Greeting each other, saying, Maranatha, our Lord will come. May this truth renew the hope in our hearts. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let us worship the Lord together.